So this week, President and venal houseplant Joe Biden signed into law uh, the Destruction of Marriage Act, which they call the Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, here he is in 2006. This is 10 years after he voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, which defined marriage as a heterosexual institution. This is the Clinton law. Uh, and he was fighting on Meet the Press. He was saying why we don't need a constitutional amendment to define marriage as a heterosexual institution. The world's going to Hades in a handbasket. We are desperately concerned about the circumstance relating to uh avian flu, we don't have enough vaccines, we don't have enough police officers, and we're going to debate the next three weeks, I'm told, gay marriage, a flag amendment, and God only knows what else. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? What is the game going on here? Same game Obama played, right? They lie and then they close the trap and instantaneously they tell you if you disagree with them, if you say what they said 10 years ago, you're a hateful person. Here is Biden at the signing of this Respect for Marriage Act. This is cut four. Folks. Racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. But the antidote to hate is love. This law and the love it defends strike a blow against hate in all its forms. And that's why this law matters to every single American, no matter who you are or who you love. See, if suddenly, suddenly, it's, you can't go back, it's done, and now you're just, it's just a matter of hate and love, folks. It's just hate fighting love. Let's, let's listen to a little bit more of that speech. Let's cut to. H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see, these fingers, dear hearts, these fingers has veins that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends, the hand of love. Now watch, and I'll show you the story of life. These fingers, dear hearts, is always a warring and a tugging, one against the other. Now watch them. Old brother left hand, left hand hates a fighting, and it looks like love's a goner. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hot dog loves a winning. Yes, sirree. It's love that won, and old left hand hate is down for the count. <laughs> So that wasn't the president of the United States. That was Robert Mitchum playing the psychopathic murderer uh, in Night of the Hunter. But as you see, they're almost uh, indistinguishable. In uh, Night of the Hunter, Mitchum is gulling a bunch of simple country folks with simplistic moral nonsense. And of this court, in, in this uh, case, obviously, Biden is gulling simple country folks like Mitt Romney. Uh, then other Republicans were stupid enough to sign this bill, which does not provide sufficient. It does give a nod to uh, religious objections, but we know they want to destroy the right of religious people to object, right? We know this. Uh, you know, they, they tell us, oh, well, it's right there in the law, but that's, isn't that what Joe Biden said before? It's right. We have the law. We don't need any protections. We already know the left wants to destroy the rights of religious people to disagree with their agenda because of the way they behave in the when Colorado attacks cake bakers and website makers, they the, all of the left signs on and calls them hateful because not because they won't serve gay people, which they do, 
but because they will not say what they don't believe and what they think is wrong in this uh, in the sight of God. We know that they are on the warpath with this. This is uh, they're progressive in the sense, same sense of emphysema and cancer. That's why they're called progressives because they progress just like emphysema and cancer. Here is Biden telling you what he means to to uh, accomplish. Cut five. We need to challenge the hundreds of callous, cynical laws introduced in the states targeting transgender children, terrifying families, and criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. We have to protect these children so they know they're loved and we will stand up for them and say they can seek for themselves. So the ultimate target of the people is the destruction of religious rights and the grooming and sexualization and legal butchery of children, of confused children. He's telling you this. He is saying, I don't care what words he uses to say it, but it's clear what he means. It's clear what they're cheering for. And, and this is somewhere where, you know, Ben and I see a lot of the same things in the world, but sometimes our values are different. And this is the one thing, one thing where I disagree with Ben when he says this is not sexual, it's political, it's sexual. They are groomed, sexually grooming children because they think it helps their political uh, agenda. It's not a right-wing conspiracy, obviously. This signing, uh, you know, at the White House was this guy, Marty Cummings, who is an anti-police activist drag queen. Uh, He endorses performing highly sexualized routines for children. Uh, I can't, he said that kids are out to sing and basically perform oral sex. Those are the words he used. And later he said he didn't mean kids, but he, you know, he's pretty clearly lying. I mean, who who would believe that a drag queen wasn't what he appeared to be, right? Um, And let's remember this. This is important because drag queens are uh, central. You know, I I read the book by Judith Butler, Gender Trouble. It's it's fake grifter nonsense written in gobbledygook, uh, so it's hard to parse the the nonsense. But it talks about the difference between men and women. I don't think it ever mentions motherhood at any point. Now, the word female, by the way, I mean, maybe the people at Cambridge Dictionary don't know this. The word female derives from roots, meaning the one who suckles, the one who, you know, feeds a baby. Uh, So they never mention any of of that, but they mention drag queens. Judith Butler talks about drag queens. It's central to her arguments because she explores how drag queens erase the gender divide, which is socially constructed, blah, 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 blah. Total grifter garbage. So the drag queens represent gender as a social construct, an idea that seeks to erase maternal instinct and female nature because they are the core of the family. And the family is the core of tradition and tradition is the core of freedom and all the things that we brought with us into this world. And all of those things, not freedom and tradition, but the maternal instinct and female nature. You know, the New York Times is running stories now. There's no such thing as maternal instinct. Every mammal Every mammal has maternal instinct. You can see it. You can see the way animals behave with their young. It's utterly ridiculous that only the human female is lacking in this regard. So the way, and the way we know the target is grooming is always because they want to make it illegal to say so. They want to make it illegal to call them groomers. Here is Katie Porter, a Democrat congresswoman from Orange County, California. Cut seven. This allegation of groomer and pedophile, it is alleging that a person is criminal somehow and engaged in criminal acts merely because of of their identity, um, their sexual orientation, their gender identity. What? (laughs) He's just lying. And and this kind of ticks me off, too, because, you know, this is the new thing when they say, oh, groomer is an anti-gay slur. 
We're not attacking gay people. We're attacking people who groom children for sex, who sexualize children, who bring this stuff into our schools and say, basically, they basically say that parents don't have the right to object and shouldn't be told about it. And they have the right, you know, because they, they make it as if the kid has this terrible need to, you know, uh, change sex. This is, it's absurd. It is psychologically absurd. It has no basis in science. It has no basis in reality. Something like 99% of children who sometimes toy with the idea of changing sex, most of them uh, end up being gay, uh, but they don't end up cutting up their bodies, which is an atrocity because it doesn't solve any problems. You know, we're, we're just, it's just our nice way of saying, stay away from our children, you sick, evil lowlifes, right? The idea here, the idea is always to convince you, obviously, that you are doing something wrong because the fight is over. And that, the, the way they use the word extreme, have you ever noticed this? They, they come in and they bring in sexual pornography uh, and homosexual pornography into kindergarten. And you say, don't do that. And you say, you're banning books. These extreme positions, this extreme position, you know, obviously it's a, it's a moderate position that children should be educated uh, in their culture by their parents and the teachers are there to serve their parents, not to override them. So they're trying to teach you that the Langoliers have eaten the past. All the things that you cherished are gone. And anybody who's standing there is just standing in a place that's going to be devoured by the Langoliers. They're gone. But it's all untrue. It's a brutal bullying use of the media and the culture, which they own. They own it because we don't understand how to use it and we don't know how to understand how to talk to the future. We won't let go of things that actually are uh, gone, right? I mean, for instance, we're not, we're not going to, gay people are not going back in the closet. You know, I mean, you can preach whatever you want and you can say whatever you want. They're not going back in the closet. And you know that I'm sympathetic to this and have been all my life. People say it's because of my son. It is not because of my son. This is the way I have felt all my life because I'm an artist and I've worked with a lot of gay people and I know so many of them are good. Remember, these activists are not normal people, right? These activists are the worst of the worst. And I, I'll try and talk about that a little later if I have time, that the activists do not represent you know, all of all of the people they say they represent. Most gay people are highly productive, highly creative, decent human beings who are contributing to our society. You can say to them totally reasonably in a friendly way, you know, you should be celibate. You can say that to them. There are organizations like Courage, uh, which encourages Catholic uh, gay people to not have sex, to, to live without that. And those people who, who feel that that is what God wants them to do should do it. But Romantic love is one of the great consolations for the tragedy of life. I mean, life is, has one ending. It only there's only one end to the story of life, and so you want you know you want to have the consolation of love and and romance. And if if gay people are going to have that, I, I all I think is we should treat them well. So they're not going into back into the closet. We can say anything we want about that, but they're not. So what the left has done is they've used the reasonable reasonable position. Let honest gay people live their lives as they see fit and leave them alone, which people basically did in this country anyway, even though the law didn't always support it. But leave them alone. Let It, it is good, I think, if they are going to have relationships, to let them have long-term relationships protected by law. And, get, you know, that is a, a good thing. We can argue about the word marriage, and that's fine. But still, I think we this was, this was a right thing. So what the left has done is they have used the cloak of decency and tolerance to bring in 
evil, the evil of grooming, the evil of transgendering confused children who don't know any better, the evil of this assault on religion. And remember, the reason they hate religion so much is because religion churches are the one thing powerful enough to fight back against the government. Hard for a personal loan to fight back against the government. It really is, but it's not hard when the church can organize them and speak as one and be protected by the Constitution. That's what they're trying to get rid of. Now, you can say, what one of the things that uh, conservatives say when they get angry at this is it's a slippery slope. Once you let gay people come out of the closet, once you let them live in peace and, and have relationships that are protected by law, it's a slippery slope. The problem with this is everything is a slippery slope. You know, when you give women the vote, people said at the time, women need more care than men and they're more anxious than men. So they're going to vote for bigger government. That is exactly what happened. That is exactly true. Women do vote for bigger government. And no, there would be no Democrat presidents if women didn't have the vote. But women should have the vote. And so what you have to do is you have to say, make the point out loud. Women don't look to uh, government to dest- don't let government destroy the family and then enslave you. The family actually keeps you free. The feminists are telling you it oppresses you, but it actually keeps them free. You've got to do something new. You have to do something new. Women have a new right. It's not going away. So you have to come with a new message for a new world. Now that you have this right, let us talk to you about how you use it. And you say it's mansplaining. As I always say, I will continue mansplaining until they girl understand. It's complex. It's difficult to fight for the future. It is difficult. We are the underdogs. We are the uh, counterculture. We're the rebels. You know, we're the resistance. We are the actual resistance. That's why they call themselves that, uh, you know, because it's part of their cultural job to convince us that they are the future. They're the resistance. They're going to win the future. But it's untrue. They are the establishment. They are the establishment. They own every major cultural institution except this one, except the one you are listening to or watching right this minute. They own all the other big ones and maybe Fox News for a couple more years while Rupert is alive. You know, this this is the thing. They own so much of it. So we're the underdogs. We're fighting a corrupt culture created by wealth and security. Wealth and security convinces people that it postpones the consequences of bad behavior. So they think the consequences will never come. People think, oh, free love. This is great. You know, if I get sick, I'll use penicillin. I'll use contraception. So no one will get pregnant. And it's great. Only only you wind up on antidepressants and you have no children and you're miserable and the, and the population collapses. But other than that, it was great. So they're they're living in a delusion. They're living in the delusion caused by the success of free America Still, we have to fight back. We have to get past anger. We have to get past nostalgia. Nostalgia is sweet, but it's useless. We have to implant our values in the world as it is for the simple reason is there's no going back to the way it was. If you want more great content like that, and I know you do, like and subscribe, and also subscribe to the Andrew Clavin Podcast. There's a story out of uh, Colorado. I'm calling it Rocky Mountain Low because it really, the, the Colorado is just an awful, awful state in this regard. Uh, a lady named Lori Smith who designs websites and wants to offer custom wedding websites, right? This is a big thing now. And she said, wants to say upfront that she will decline to work on same-sex weddings because doing so would compromise her Christian values, right? And this the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals, I'm reading this from the Wall Street Journal, uh, decided that the design of wedding websites is pure speech. It's just, you know, that's what it is. You're, it's free, it's protected speech. But in Colorado, the panel has ruled that uh, California law says companies that are open to the public can't refuse customers based on sexual orientation. Now, Lori Smith is not refusing gay 
customers. She is not saying gay customers can't come to her shop and have a website. She is only saying that she is not going to make a website uh, advertising gay marriage because it's against her religion. So this has ended up this week in the Supreme Court. And now I want to remind you again, because Obama is so much uh, a presence behind so much of this corruption and so much of this deterioration of our commitment to liberty, so much of our uh, the, of the deterioration uh, of the, the press and the police and the spy uh, organization's commitment to liberty uh, by the, his appointments and by the way he operated. I just want to remind you that in 1996, Obama uh, was running for Illinois State Senate and he filled out a form and said that, yes, he approved of gay marriage. Then when he became a national figure, he started to say, well, he didn't approve of gay marriage, uh, but he did approve of civil unions. Uh, then he said he evolved and now he uh, believed in gay marriage. David Axelrod, his campaign manager, wrote a book saying he was lying the whole time. And this is David Axelrod, his, his pal. He said he was lying the whole time. He always believed in gay marriage. Then the Obergefell decision comes down in 2015 in which the Supreme Court uh, says that the founding fathers have come back to life, rewritten the Constitution, and now there is an absolute right to gay marriage in the Constitution. And suddenly Obama comes out and he lights up the White House, the People's House, with rainbow colors. Instantaneously, it becomes a sin to say you disagree with gay marriage. Instantaneously, suddenly your bank says is hanging out rainbow flags. Suddenly every corporation, it, all of a sudden, it was like, no, 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 we just want this. We just want this. We don't, we don't want, we, no, no, no. We lied. We lied. And now it's a sin. And now if you say what we were saying 20 minutes ago, you're a bad person. You're going to be canceled. Your life is going to be made miserable. Uh, miserable. Now, the opposition to gay marriage, the religious opposition to gay marriage is, is pretty simple. It's that obviously God made our bodies for male and female to fit together. God made sex, obviously, for procreation. To use it otherwise, according to um, now I'm basically putting forward Catholic theology, but to use the body otherwise with no possibility, uh, even in principle, of conceiving is to use people as as objects. That's basically what the Catholic Church says. And that means that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, my wife is past childbearing age, but in principle, we're still male and female. And so in principle, our, you know, our sex life does serve uh, procreation, but gay people don't. I'm not saying I agree with that. In fact, I think it's, I, I've talked about why I, I find flaws in that reasoning, but still, it's not a question of whether I agree. It's a question of whether you have a right to think it and whether you have a right to live out the meaning of your faith, right? Now, you know, uh, Alito, the Supreme Court justice, because they made this argument, uh, and the Solicitor General, the lawyers for Colorado, Eric Olson, uh, Alito says, well, is this the same as interracial marriage? Here's that exchange. Do you think it's fair to equate opposition to same-sex marriage with opposition to interracial marriage? Yes, because in how the law applies, not in in the discussion uh, with folks, because, of course, honorable people have different views on this issue. But I think when you look at what Justice Kennedy said uh, there, the way to honor that requirement is, as this court has set forth in Fulton, in Masterpiece, of having a rigorous interrogation to make sure that there are uh, neutral and generally applicable laws applied, in fact, that way, that don't single out religion. And then the very next sentence of what Justice uh, Kennedy said in Obergefell talked about when, when it transformed that honest uh, and decent disagreement transformed uh, into enacted law and policy, the necessary consequence is to put the imprimatur of the state on that exclusion. 
But that's ridiculous, obviously. It's not putting for a a private business, a small business to say, look, I can't put out this message because it violates my religious beliefs. It's obviously not giving it the imprimatur of the state. That is absolutely absurd. In the New York Times, on Knucklehead Row, their op-ed section, the the head of the David Cole of the American Civil Liberties Union, which used to be a guardian of free speech, argues, no, no, no. He says, can an artist be compelled to create a website for an event she does not condone? That's the question the Supreme Court has said it will take up on Monday, but it's the wrong question. The right question is whether someone who chooses to open a business to the public should have the right to turn away gay customers simply because the service would provide them is expressive or artistic. That's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. And to prove it's nonsense, all you have to do is walk in to a Colorado cake shop that is not Christian and say, hey, you know what I would like? A cake that says Donald Trump forever. That's what I want. I want a cake that says no abortion. Abortion is murder. And see how fast, see how fast they uh, say no and throw you out. They will not say what they don't want to say. I don't want them to say what they don't want to say. But religious people are excluded because they now have these protected classes, uh, black people and gay people. These are protected classes. This is civil rights law and the way the civil rights law has eaten into uh, it has eaten into our right of free association. They are committed. They are committed to destroying free speech because it goes against their civil idea of civil rights. Their idea of civil rights is everyone must believe the same thing. Everyone must treat everybody the same way. Everybody must associate with people even if you don't like them. I, I, by the way, believe you have the right to be a bigot, but that's not what this is about. I think you should, you know, you have the right to be a bigot. You have a right to say, I run a small business. I don't want Jews in my, uh, my store. I would never go to a store that did that. I would think it was disgusting, but I think civil rights law has violated the essential right to uh, association. But because all this time has passed, they promised us, by the way, this is in that wonderful wonderful Christopher Caldwell book uh, called The Age of Entitlement. They promised when they passed the Civil Rights Act that it would not do this, that it would not mean that people uh, couldn't associate with who they wanted to, with anyone they wanted to associate with and not associate with people they didn't want to. But of course, the law since then, the case law, has stripped us of our right to free association. You know, I despise bigotry. I despise bigotry in all its forms. And yet, and yet, I believe you have the right, the right to be bigoted. A friend of mine once said, I'm thinking of joining uh, a club where they don't allow Jews and I said, go ahead, but I'll never speak to you again. And he said, but you believe in free association. I said, that's right. And you have the right to freely associate with those people. And I have the right freely to not associate with you. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be between uh, people, you know, not uh, uh, mandated by the government. You know, they believe that inclusion and tolerance are the central goods, but they're not. They're not. Virtuous action is the central good. Freedom to choose virtuous action is the central good. That's the central path to to virtue, is freedom. You cannot be virtuous without being free because if somebody sticks a gun to your head and says, do the right thing, that's not your virtue, right? You have to be free to choose the right thing, but the government can you know, help you learn to do the right thing and it can help you know, guide you to do the right thing and it can run its education so it teaches you the right thing, but they do not do that anymore. All they teach you is inclusion. Every time I see a church that says, everyone is welcome here, I want to just write in, if... You believe you're a sinner who has to be saved by Jesus Christ because that's what constitutes a church is people who get coming together who believe that thing. They have been mistaught. The guardians have been mistaught to put inclusion and tolerance above every other virtue. They are not the top virtues. They're not even in the running for the top virtues. So many other things are. This lady who wants to do websites believes that supporting marriage, which is a central institution of a free country, of any country, uh, she believes 
that her relationship with God depends on this. She has every absolute right not to be tampered with or tormented uh, by the government of Colorado. And I hope the Supreme Court figures this out rightly. The guardians have been misinformed. Oh my goodness, that was so terrific. If you want more, like and subscribe. And don't forget to subscribe to the Andrew Clavin Podcast. Donald Trump comes out and he reacts to the first Twitter dump, the Matt Taibbi Twitter dump, uh, with a message on his truth social. He says, so, with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and the Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner? Or do you have a new election? <laughs> a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Now, Trump says he didn't call for the termination of the Constitution. And if you hold his tweet up to the light and sort of t turn it this way and that, you could possibly say, well, he says it allows for the termination. And maybe what he's saying is that the, you know, the fraud from Twitter, the Twitter people, uh, basically terminated the Constitution. Maybe that's what he's saying. It doesn't sound like what, that's what he's saying to me. It actually sounds like he was saying we should turn over the rules. But either way, either way, he wants to throw out, he questions whether we should throw out the election result and declare him the rightful winner, just install him, which would, in fact, terminate the Constitution because the Constitution makes no allowance for that to happen. And again, nothing he's saying has been proven to be, uh, to delegitimize the election in a court of law where is where things happen legally in a free and operating country. But let's re and let's remember, too, that, you know, the Democrats claim that Trump's election was a cheat and they asked Vice President, then Vice President Joe Biden not to certify it, just like Trump asked his Vice President uh, Mike Pence not to certify it. And Joe Biden, as corrupt as he is, as venal as he is, would not do it. And neither was my Mike Pence. But here's the thing. Here's the part of this that struck me as funny, because because now the press is so openly corrupt, that they don't care anymore. I think I explained this before. What they're betting on, and it's a good bet, it's a good political bet, what they're betting on is that their lies and their malfeasance and their bias against conservatives, it's not a bias, it's corruption in trying to shut down the voices of people who believe in the Constitution. They believe that that will make a certain sector of the right so furious that they will cling to Trump no matter what and excuse Trump no matter what he says. That's about 30% of the population, maybe 35%. But on the other side, the Dem liberals who read the New York Times or watch NBC News, they have no idea what's happening. It's not being reported at all, right? They have no idea what's happening. So 60% of people either don't know what's happening and wouldn't vote for a Republican anyway or hate Donald Trump because he's annoying and loudmouth. And so that's their bet. They're betting that they can just be, you know, Joe Biden is walking around town with Hunter Biden in his wake. He's showing him off. He, that's how arrogant he's being because he knows it makes the right furious. And the more furious the right gets and the more Trump mouths off and the more the furious right supports Trump and things that he shouldn't say, that is going to alienate more people in the middle. You know, it's, it's a very clever political play. So the media, Donald Trump makes a statement about terminating the Constitution, whatever he meant, that's what it sounded like. 
So the media now, because on the right, anything an untoward person, person says that's untoward on the right, we all have to answer for. It doesn't matter what a leftist says. If a leftist comes out and says, oh, yeah, you know, you know, Rashida Tlaib comes out and says, oh, yeah, I hate Israel, hate the Jews, I, I hate those people. They don't ask every Democrat about her comments. But if anybody on the right says anybody anything, especially Trump, that's untoward, every Democrat now has to answer for him. So this is the Sunday shows after Trump makes his statement about, remember, what Trump is commenting on is the Twitter fiasco. It's cut five. All elected leaders uh, swear to uphold the Constitution. Does calling for its suspension, uh, is, is that disqualifying for a presidential candidate? It's certainly not consistent. You know with the, the I do. It's certainly not consistent with the oath that we all take. Should the standard bearer for the Republican Party, the front runner for the nomination for the presidency for your party in 2024, say this? I do want to ask you about something uh, that the front runner for your party's presidential nomination, former President Donald Trump, wrote on his social media platform. What is your reaction to Donald Trump calling for the termination of the U.S. Constitution? Well, obviously, I don't support that. I have to ask you a question about uh, Donald Trump's statement yesterday talking about suspending uh, the Constitution. Can you support a candidate in 2024 who's for suspending the Constitution? I will support whoever the Republican nominee is. That's an extraordinary statement. You can't come out against someone who's for suspending the Constitution. <laughs> All right. So that's how they covered. That is how they covered Donald Trump commenting on Matt Taibbi's release of the Twitter emails. Here is how they covered the Twitter emails. All right. Move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. They barely covered it at all. So they covered Trump's comment because, of course, it's incendiary. But they didn't cover the news story that Trump was commenting on. In the New York Times, a former newspaper, they simply say, oh, well, he made these. They mis he's misrepresenting some Twitter thing that was going on somewhere about something. But he was misrepresenting it. And listen, I know people who read the New York Times. and the New York Times says Trump was misrepresenting it, they just move on. They just move on. They didn't cover it. This is dis this. You know, this whole thing in, in so many ways uh, is a duplicitous psyop by our intelligence community, especially those intelligence people who came in and FBI people who came in during Barack Obama's administration. Barack Obama was a genuinely destructive president. And one of the things he did was plant these people like John Brennan, this lying dirtbag. I mean, he's just an awful awful human being. I got, you know, he's just a complete dispenser of misinformation and disinformation. Anything to just muddy the waters. Listen to the way he talks. He can barely get out a sentence that makes sense because he doesn't have to make sense. He just has to suggest, like he did with the UFOs. Remember the UFOs? Well, there could be possibly something about this, which is now completely about to be debunked. The UFO thing that was such a big story a couple months ago going to be debunked, but it doesn't matter. They flood the zone with misinformation to confuse everybody so nobody knows what's true. And everything, everything becomes emotional. Everything becomes a question of emotion. So the, they make uh, people on the right emotional as they have a right to be. They get furious about their mistreatment. They get so furious that they say stupid stuff and, and support stupid stuff that Donald Trump says. Their furiousness and their supporting Donald Trump makes the, the center go like, ah, I don't want to associate with those people. And and the, it also solidifies the people on the left. You know, people who say that Donald Trump, for instance, didn't uh, wasn't part of the mid the disappointing midterm returns, uh, who say he wasn't part of the disappointing presidential election, it wasn't his fault. 
They're not thinking clearly because if you look at if the Biden administration, if you look at how bad this administration has has been, if you look at how much they've screwed up inflation and crime and the border, the lawlessness of the border, there's only one man powerful enough to counteract that. Donald Trump is the only character big enough to counteract that. He's the only person that people could look at and say, yeah, well, this Biden administration is bad, but I don't want anybody who comes from Donald Trump or anybody who's supporting Donald Trump because that's how big Donald Trump is. Nobody else could make people, could convince people uh, to vote for the Biden administration, but he could because he's that powerful a figure. This is really, really dangerous and really scary. Who will guard the guardians? You know, in the Republic, uh, Plato's Republic, when he asks, when Socrates asks this question, who will guard uh, the guardians? The answer is you have to train them. You have to train them so that their souls are full of virtue and then you won't need to guard the guardians. The guardians essentially will guard themselves. And how do you train the soul? Well, Plato knows you train the soul through the arts. You train the soul through culture. And of course, you train the soul through education. Well, who owns the culture? Who owns the arts? Who owns the education system? Of course, it's the left, and they have trained these guardians, and they no longer know. They no longer know what it is that they are supposed to guard. It's a really dangerous situation, but the fight's not over. In fact, I think really now that we have a full picture of just how bad this is, the fight has just begun. If you want more fantastic content, like and subscribe, and please also subscribe to the Andrew Clavin Podcast. In uh, ancient Rome, there was a famous satirist, a great satirist, actually. He's still quite good when you read him. Uh, his name was Juvenal. Uh, I sometimes feel that my satire kind of uh, you know, models itself on Juvenal. I'm, I'm an outlaw Juvenal. You might say a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> um, but, uh, but there was a funny passage in Juvenal, a famous passage, in which a husband is asking how he can keep his wife from cheating on him. And somebody says to him, you know, just lock her up and surround her with guards. And the husband says, yes, but who will guard the guardians? Who will keep the guards from sleeping with his wife while they're guarding her? And that phrase, who will guard the guardians, is often used to refer uh, to Plato's Republic, where Socrates uh, wondered how the people uh, who were given power can be kept from abusing their power. Who will guard the guardians of the city? Who will guard the people who run the city? And this is a problem, of course, that returns in the Federalist paper, uh, where it's Madison, I think, uh, who says, you know, if men were angels, we wouldn't need a government. So what, and if, uh, you know, if, so what we have is a problem where we have to have a government to control the people, but we have to somehow convince the government to control itself. Who will guard the guardians? In our country today, and this week has really brought it home in a really frightening and ugly way, uh, the guardians of freedom uh, have lost their dedication to freedom. The people who are supposed to be protecting our freedom, the press, uh, the FBI, the CIA, uh, are instead utilizing this information crisis we're in uh, to flood the zone with misinformation and disinformation. And they're doing it on purpose. We now see it uh, because of these Twitter releases. Uh, spies and federal cops who are supposed to guard our freedoms. What they're doing is they're using 
The information crisis that I talk about all the time is, is, about, is not about too little information. It's about so much information that we can't tell which is right and, and which isn't. And the fact that at the same time that's happening, it threatens the powers that be so that what they're doing is they're using their power, the press and the federal police department, the FBI, in other words, and the CIA, they're using it to sort of flood more information so it becomes impossible to tell what is right and what is wrong. And that is what the story about the Twitter release is about. I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of this. I'm just hearing the beginning of people talking about it, but mostly people are talking about the news that's coming out because Elon Musk is having Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi release, independent journalists, release these Twitter emails that show what was going on during the election and other times uh, to suppress mostly right-wing talk. Yesterday, I think it was last night, Barry Weiss uh, released a new batch of internal Twitter emails, and they show uh, that Twitter higher-ups uh, in, indeed were doing what they kept saying they weren't doing, which was suppressing and shadow-banning sites for no other reason than that they didn't like them. And they would, you know, say, oh, they're violating this rule or they wouldn't tell what rule they were violating uh, or they would just make something up and they would make sure that the people they didn't like get uh, got stopped. And the guy in charge this, of the security at Twitter uh, is no longer there. It's the guy, Yul Roth, utter woke jerk uh, who is so sensitive that he just couldn't stand any disagreement. Here's cut seven just so you get a glimpse of him and what he was like. It's terrifying. I thought I was going to be a college professor for a living. Mm -hmm. I Like, I got... A PhD and was doing research that nobody cared about, and uh, and then I was like, oh, you know, like this platform thing is cool. Like I can go and do research there, and and mm -hmm. then you know, one thing led to another, and all of a sudden we apply a misinformation label to Donald Trump's account, and I'm on the cover of the New York Post, mm -hmm. and that is a deeply terrifying experience. And I say this from a position of unquestioned privilege as a cis white male like the internet is much scarier and much worse for lots of other people who aren't me but it was pretty f scary for a long time what was as a result part? of that so first of all you're not that cis and sexist and second of all he's so terrified he's so terrified of all those trump people who actually never killed anybody uh but but he's so terrified that he has to shut them down and label them misinformation but let's reiterate the people he's terrified about, the people who were knocked down on Twitter, the people who were suppressed were guys like Jordan Peterson. I mean, uh, you know, violent, that horrible Jordan Peterson. I mean, who, all he does is express ideas. The Babylon Bee, all they ever do is make fun of, uh, of the left. They make fun of everybody, to be perfectly fair. They're the second funniest satirists on the Internet. Uh, the libs of TikTok who never do anything but actually let libs uh, speak for themselves. And they were banned like seven, eight, nine times without ever getting an explanation why. Juanita Broderick was plausibly accused Clinton of raping her. Uh, these are people who just basically did what is their duty in a free society where people are supposed to be able to speak without fear or favor. But the big story goes on beyond that. It goes on to show how much the media and the federal black shirts, by whom I mean the FBI and the CIA, participated, colluded in suppressing speech. This is exactly what the guardians are supposed to be guarding against. This is exactly what the press is supposed to be opposing and does oppose it whenever it gets in the way of what they want to say, but doesn't 
uh, oppose it at all when it gets in the way of those people who they now feel are the enemies of the country because they support the Constitution. And you can make an argument that there are some people who are so crazy, you know, that they shouldn't be allowed to speak. I don't agree with that argument. I've been very clear about this. I think it's wrong. But that's not who we're talking about. If we're talking about Jordan, if we're talking about the Babylon Bee, if we're talking about Dan Bongino, who was suppressed. Listen, I was suppressed. Since Elon came on, I gained like 40,000 followers on Twitter. And I'm not even on Twitter that much, but I gained like 40,000 in a a couple of weeks. Uh, So obviously these guys were suppressing uh, everybody's reach that they didn't like. But somewhere, you know, this was supposed to be basically fair. It was supposed to suppress anybody who violated these things. But somewhere between 90 and 100 percent of Twitter staff were leftists. And the bias was powerfully uh, toward helping the left and suppressing the right. And when Hunter Biden's story, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story went nuts, came out, they went nuts. And they came out. Let's just I just want to remind you because it's a complicated thing. I want to remind you that the Hunter Biden laptop and uh, some ancillary information that came in on because of the Hunter Biden laptop uh, gave very strong evidence that Joe Biden was directly involved with the family influence peddling business, which everyone know, knew had been going on for decades, right? They were peddling influence and they were using not just Joe Biden's name, but apparently appearances by Joe Biden. And he may have been getting 10%, remember, 10% for the big guy of the profits from places like China and Ukraine, which now, of course, as president, he has big dealings with. So we know from sworn testimony by several people that the FBI pre-bunked the Hunter laptop release before it came out. They went to Facebook, they went to Twitter, and they said, and doubtless other social media sites, and they said, watch out, the Russians are planning to hack, a, to release some Hunter Biden misinformation in order to poison the election against, um, against Biden. And these are the same people who had been claiming that the Russians had colluded to help Donald Trump. They'd colluded with Donald Trump to help him, which turned out to be entirely a hoax. And not only was it entirely a hoax, uh, they knew it was. The FBI knew it was, as even as they were investigating it, even as they were getting uh, warrants to spy on Americans, they knew that this information was false or at least not reliable. So now they go out and say, oh, and by the way, there's bad Russian information. Information coming out, Russian misinformation coming out to skew the election that attacks Hunter Biden. And it's going to seem like, you know, it shows Hunter Biden is doing bad things, but don't believe it. So the minute the Post story broke, what turned out to be and the New York Post broke this story, which turned out to be a totally true story. The minute the story broke, they banned it. They shut it down. They threw the New York Post off. They shut down Kayleigh McEnany, uh, Trump's spokeswoman. Uh, and when it turned out that there was no proof that the stuff was hacked, they didn't do anything. They didn't change it. Over 50 former top wrong intelligence officers, including lying dirtbag John Brennan, former uh, Obama's former CIA chief, right? They came out and said, oh, yeah, this, oh, yeah, this is Russian. As our expertise, we're, we are top F, uh, CIA operatives. We are top intelligence operatives. And our expertise tells us that this is Russian disinformation all the while they knew. Now, this gets even better because Matt Taibbi said in his release, he said he saw no evidence that there was government involvement in banning people from Twitter, right? These are uh, campaigns, both the Trump campaign and the Biden campaign reached out with complaints about information on Twitter. But more of what the Biden 
campaign wanted silenced was silenced. And there are notes saying, oh, the Biden wants this done. And the guy will answer, I'm on it. It's handled. I've done it. It's all done. So because of their bias, they were handling more of the Biden complaints than the Trump complaints, but both sides were complaining. And of course, Biden wasn't in office. So it wasn't uh, necessarily a violation of the First Amendment because it wasn't government colluding to censor people by private means, which is against the Constitution, according to the Supreme Court. However, however, the information in these emails, in these emails that Taibbi was releasing, was looked over by uh, James Baker, Twitter's deputy general counsel. He's no longer Twitter's deputy general counsel because after this incident, Elon fired him. But James Baker was the guy who was vetting the emails before they went to Matt Taibbi. Who's James Baker? Baker was the FBI's general counsel when Clinton lawyer Michael Sussman wanted to plant absurd stories about secret contacts between the Kremlin's Alpha Bank and Donald Trump, they went to James Baker and Baker took it to the FBI because he was the FBI's general counsel and he was friends with Clinton's lawyer. He was a perfect conduit. He called this in uh, uh, to Baker. He rushed to the FBI director and told it about him. And we also know he's testified, Baker has testified himself to this behind closed doors that he was involved in telling lies to the Pfizer, Pfizer court so the FBI could use the Steele dossier, which they knew was false, to get permission to surveil Trump campaign aide uh, Carter Page, right? So I know it's complicated, but all I'm saying is the same guy who was cheating behind the scenes to make it look like Donald Trump has coll- had colluded with the Russians is now vetting the, e- the very emails that Elon Musk is having released. And, and Musk says he may have deleted some of them. He think he did delete them. He called him in, Elon Musk, called Baker in and questioned him about this. And he said uh, his, his response was not believable, basically. So this whole story, and remember this whole story, the whole Russian collusion story was pushed by Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, who's still pushing disinformation on TV. And Obama knew about it the whole time. Uh, Baker was finally forced out of the FBI because of his actions. And uh, as I say, Elon said he was unconvincing was the word he used. He said that Baker's excuse was unconvincing. He's a bunch of criminals. These are a bunch of criminals. And who will guard us against the guardians? Who will guard us when the people in the CIA, who are not supposed to be in domestic uh, policy at all, and the FBI, who are supposed to protect us from wrongdoers, and the press, who are supposed to vet the FBI and the CIA, are all working together to silence 50% of the country perfectly valid opinions that they just don't happen to like because they restrict their power by calling on the government to act according to the Constitution. That is what they like. Now, the thing is, your liberal friends, if you still have any liberal friends, don't know any of this because nobody is reporting it. They're not doing the report. So this is from Mediaite. Mediaite is a total left-wing website that covers the media from an anti-Trump point of view, a very left-wing website. And they said the Reactions of the press to Matt Taibbi releasing these emails were humiliating, embarrassing. Let me read you some of them. Ben Collins of NBC News. Now, this is NBC News where they suppressed the Harvey Weinstein story because they were busy suppressing stories about their anchor, Matt Lauer, who was busy sodomizing, well, allegedly sodomizing girls against their will and jumping on one staffer and screwing her so hard, uh, really without her permission, that she collapsed and had to be taken to a nurse, allegedly, allegedly. So NBC's Ben Collins, working for this sleazy organization, says of Matt uh, Taibbi, um, Imagine 
throwing your reputation away to do PR work for the richest person in the world. Interesting take. Here's Mehdi Hassan, who works for MSNBC, part of NBC, where they were doing all these things to suppress the Hunter, the uh, Harvey Weinstein story. Mehdi says, imagine volunteering to do online PR work for the world's richest man, he says of Matt Taibbi. What about Simon Owens, who calls himself a tech and media journalist? He says Taibbi has gone from calling Goldman Sachs a vampire squid to giving free PR to the world's richest billionaire. Jason Schreier of Bloomberg News says Tybee needs an editor because he would have told him not to do PR work for the richest man on the planet. Wajahalat Ali, who writes for the New York Times, a former newspaper, said, accuses Matt Tybee of selling your soul for the richest white nationalist on the earth. They're using the same words. They've got talking points from somewhere, right? And these are the same guys, the same guys who publish story after story after story by anonymous sources within the intelligence community and the FBI to show that Trump was colluding with the Russians. They're all working on this together. The guardians are gone. This goes on and on. All of these toadies, they're all of them using the same language. They're all of them the same people who worked uh, with with the intelligence uh, community and with the FBI to accuse Trump. And all of them also work together to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story and to try and debunk it as Russian misinformation. So basically, what Matt Lauer did to that poor staffer in his office when he bent her over a chair and screwed her till she lost consciousness is what the journalists, the FBI, and the intelligence complex is now doing to the rest of us. They're a bunch of criminals. Our guardians have gone rogue for more fantastical Claveny goodness, like and subscribe and subscribe to the Andrew Claven podcast. <laughs>